Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Mark. Hi, Liz. What you doing? I'm here with you. <laughs> hey, how was the... Your mother and mm-hmm. her sister had a birthday they this did. past weekend. Yes, they did. Because I never know when these episodes are going to actually drop, mm-hmm. but the Ju- July 9th was just the other day, and the right. twins turned how old? 84. Yes. That's right. Yes. yes Isn't yes. that neat? Yes. If you're following us on Facebook or Instagram, we posted a photograph of them from when they were little bridesmaids or flower girls. Flower I guess, girls. In their Aunt Dean's wedding. That's right. And what do you think that was? 42? Probably four- around then. You know what? It's 43. Because it? I can remember we have on our bonus episode on the Patreon, uh-huh. I've interviewed Dean's son, Phil, mm-hmm. and he said 1943 because his dad was in the war. And a very handsome man. Right. Walter comes home to marry Dean, and then he has mm-hmm. to go right back into service. Oh. I think they had like a little quick honeymoon. And then he was in Florida and I think the Philippines, but not until after the war was over. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just had to run out his time. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why they didn't have their first child until 1947, because mm-hmm. they didn't get to spend much of their early marriage together. Right. You know, she was a war bride right. and a beautiful one. We have her yeah. wedding photograph. Mm-hmm. I also interviewed Dean's daughter, Pam. Mm-hmm. And with that interview, which is on our Patreon right now, also at that $10 level, she had sent some pictures of... Dean and her dad and their wedding picture. So I put Mm -hmm. those up as a companion for the podcast. Oh, good. Dean is so cute. I mean, it just looks like as soon as she'd look at you, she'd giggle or something. She just has that joie de vivre about her. We got those baby, baby pictures of her. Yes. Well, I mean- Three years old, maybe, and eight years old. Right. She looked like Dean a little porcelain Helen. doll. They did. Yeah. And well, which one of them had the little curly hair? Her, Dean. Oh, uh, uh, so yeah. cute. Right? I know. So I'm really loving getting to know these family members. Mm-hmm. And I got an email today from a fraud. Really? Yeah. He Just today, he's like, Etta and Clyde are my great-great-grandparents. What? And he's really? like, love the podcast. So I responded, and I said, what What pictures do you have? What do you got for me? You know, you got to give me some uh, ephemera. 
is the fancy right. word for it. So yeah, people are just crawling out of the woodwork who know this family, who are related or want right. to be related to. The, I want to be related to this family. So right. it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. Well, you are. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's what everybody says. They claim me, so I accept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> Good. Same name, too. Y- yes, I know. Uh, yes, also an Elizabeth. So here we are for episode 11 yeah. of My Grandma's Diaries. So let's do a little recap of episode 10. In last week's episode, we talked a lot about farming. Yep. We talked about the farmer strike that happened in August of 1932 right. and how they were blocking the roads and causing all kinds of mayhem to try to get the prices back up. Mm-hmm. And it kind of failed and Herbert Hoover definitely didn't do anything mm-hmm. to help them. And he's just showing up more and more to be a weak and ineffectual president. And he's definitely not making the farmers happy and he's not making the war veterans happy either because we also talked about that, how the war veterans went to D.C. on the mall mm-hmm. and they were like putting up tents and protesting that they weren't mm-hmm. getting the relief that they deserved from their service and he sent out hoover sent out the cops and some mm-hmm. people died and oh my gosh hoover's just messing up left and right but in last episode he is running for his second term and he gives that very 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 long speech that we talked about where he doesn't even seem to say much of anything substantial mm-hmm. and he's taking credit for things that he didn't even do and it's really affecting the farm life of elizabeth and the people that she's working for like mr burt myers Mm-hmm. who we know and love because he gives the musicals yes. at his house and he had to sell a car. And that's when we started talking about the strike because all these banks are calling right. in farm loans and probably Burt Myers was like, had, well, I, I have to, to sell the car. So mm-hmm. sad. So things are super bad. We also met Inez Brown, <laughs> who will turn out to be the town gossip. So mm-hmm. Inez pops in and out. Um, but last week's episode, she was hanging out with Tommy. Mm. And Elizabeth did not like that at all. Right. Yes. Inez. Isn't <laughs> yeah. she the town gossip? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, right, she's the right. Alice Kravitz. Yeah, yeah the she'll, she'll come up later and be like, I heard blah, blah, right. blah. Yeah, she's trouble. <laughs> uh, and then Elizabeth just wishes she could go to school. I know. And it starts up again, and she goes and visits. Remember, she's sitting in study hall and writing notes to people. But she can't Uh, go. But she can't because the cotton is ready and the fields are waiting. Mm. And then, before we jump into it, and this will probably be too confusing and we probably won't do it, but what you and I are learning as I'm interviewing all these family members, everybody called her Betty. Right. And we're calling her Elizabeth. Because we didn't know better. And we don't know if she changed her name to be Betty or I have a theory. Okay, let's hear it. The very first diary that she received was in 1930, when she was 13. Yes. And she inscribed it, Elizabeth Hartzell. Right. She wrote it in the yes. beginning of the diary, not Mary Elizabeth Hartzell or Betty Hartzell, uh-huh. Elizabeth Hartzell. And somewhere, I believe, I think her entire childhood, she was Elizabeth. After she gets back to Belle from Step Rock, mm-hmm. I think that might be when she preferred other people to call her Betty. I wonder. And like, 
you know, sure. and starting over with the name. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I I, th- I was it in was Elizabeth. right around there. Yeah, it. it I guess so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see any reference to her calling herself Betty. You don't until she's dating someone and she quotes them, and uh-huh. they say like, "Oh, Betty." Okay. Booty, booty, blah, blah. Okay. So that means that person met her with the name Betty. I, was it in Bell? No. Oh. It was in Marble Hill. Oh. It was later. Uh huh. That's it, the, that's the only time I, think I see a reference. Step Rock. She was Elizabeth. After Step Rock, she was probably Betty. From that maybe point. so because I'm the one who, who. Yeah. Well, I was. I'm Elizabeth. Everybody yeah, calls I, me Liz. But when I had formal, like, remember when you used to buy a wallet and it would have an identification card in it? You'd yeah. fill it out. I never wrote Liz Butler. Uh-huh. I wrote Elizabeth. That's right. my formal name. So okay. I always thought she. But then you're right. She would have put Mary Elizabeth. Uh, right. Right. So, well, I didn't know if we should start calling her Betty. No. Okay, we won't. Okay. <laughs> no, no. So, Elizabeth, we'll, we'll get back to her. And in true fashion, all this stuff is going on around the world, but she finds time for boys. Of course. September 18th, 1932. Went over to Aunt Delia's. We sat around and talked. Francis and I came home and got ready for our dates. They came, Herschel and Red, in a few minutes and took us to Judsonia. I surely did have fun. So we know Herschel and Red from previous episodes, Herschel Land and Red Scruggs. And we haven't really talked about Herschel yet because he's sticking around for a while. Mm -hmm. But Red, remember, he's not a redhead. He just has that ruddy complexion. So (laughs) poor kid. Uh, But dating is fun. But then the real world comes crashing down. September 21st, 1932. Went to the cotton patch today and picked 35 pounds. We came home and bathed and sat on the store porch. Kinda looked for Red and Herschel to come. Then we heard the boys cross the bridge. They were in Bob Forbes' little roadster. We went to Circe, had more fun. They acted so cute and talked so cute. Aww. That's adorable. So Bob is one of the local farmers around here. Mm -hmm. He was born in 1888, and on the census, it has him listed as a farmer. But in the 1950 census, Mm -hmm. it has nothing at all for employment. It's just him and his wife. He's in his 60s, and there's no occupation listed. Okay. So that's usually weird, because sometimes they'll put, like, retired farmer. Yeah, right. Right? But then I found his death certificate, and it says he was a retired school teacher. Okay. So maybe he spent some of his older years letting the farm get run by tenant farmers or laborers, and he taught school. Huh. Which is kind of sweet. Was he nearby yes. in Step Rock? Yes. He was a yeah, neighbor. He, he's Close. one of the farmers right. in, in that area. But he must have thought very highly of Red and Herschel to let them take his little cute roadster out mm-hmm. and pick up girls. I think that's kind of cute. Yeah. yeah. September 22nd, 1932. Went to the cotton patch and picked all day. Got 33 pounds. Ethel came over and talked about our dates. I got my credits from Mr. Butler today. I'm so tired. I wrote to Bill, I'm so tired. I hope we can get a home before long. I'm tired of this darn country, but I shouldn't complain. <laughs> I, geez, I know. Jeez. There's so much there, but this is the first time we see her mention credits 
instead right. of money. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, we've talked about this issue before. Yeah. Usually laborers like Elizabeth's family will show up on these farms for jobs and they'll pitch their tent or they'll sleep in their car or whatever. And then they've got to immediately go to work. But they also need things right. like they need, I mean, coffee or oatmeal or mm-hmm. food for their children. And all of that's available at the general store, but it's on credit, mm-hmm. mainly because people didn't have a lot of cash. Mm. Banks are scarce. Mm. There's not cash flowing right. around. And you don't need cash as much as you need things. Food. So everyone's things. getting paid in credits, like here's 60 credits, and I don't know what that'd be worth at the store. And then they go to the store, and they're not looking for $60. They're not going to the bank and cashing a check. Mm-hmm. They're going to the store and saying, I'll take the bag of flour, mm-hmm. and I'll take the bag mm-hmm. of rice. And, and that's how things kind of balance out in the farm life. So she'd work um, and pick she, for instance, on September 21st, picked 35 pounds. And then mm-hmm. what you just read, she picked 33 pounds. Yeah. So that would be calculated, right, in some way to yeah. equal credits. Absolutely. I would imagine so. Because I, I know she got paid by like the court or something for, for strawberries. strawberries. And even when she was canning beans yeah. back at the 31, right. she was getting something like per can or, or what, something. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, it's, right. but it's interesting that. She got her credits, and I, I wonder if that just kind of went into a family pot. Because, hmm. I mean, Elizabeth isn't making money for Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's the whole family's working. Sure. So I guess it all goes to the store. So I thought that was really interesting. That's And that's the first time we see that. And, that you know, it was a problem on tenant farms because if you – don't make enough money to pay your debt at the general store, mm-hmm. then you're just in debt to this farm. And mm-hmm. you could get stuck in a real vicious circle mm-hmm. of being forced to work there for years right. to pay off your debt. So it's kind of maybe a good thing that Louis had a son. Because I imagine, I mean, we've heard people say that, you know, Leon never had a job, mm-hmm. but I'm sure he can pick cotton. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he's doing that, and I imagine Louis like, okay, I got to leave and go to Memphis for a couple of days to mm-hmm. go interview for this job, or I got to go into Searcy and apply for this job, or Pangburn, or whatever. So it's kind of nice that he's got a big family who can do mm-hmm. all this work, mm-hmm. and he has the quote luxury of going on these job interviews, right. and there's still money being generated in the family. But there's seven of them, well, yeah. six on the farm right, now right, at this right. point. And I mean, I'm sure he's around, but he also is, right. she always says, I hope he can get a real job. So that doesn't mm-hmm. mean he's resigned himself yeah. to becoming a farmer. Yeah. Right? He's out there. Yeah. So that's uh, Mr. Butler. And, oh, I know about him, but yeah, I had... I had made a little note that we talk about sometimes Doyne picks her up and drives her to a patch. Yes. So, you know, Mr. Butler is just one of these many patches that she's going to. Like Mr. Evans. And they just go where they're needed. Right. So these laborers, I mean, I'm sure they'll get money from Mr. Evans. It's so interesting. So, yeah, right? They're just all like, it's almost like I imagine a line of them in the morning. Uh Like, okay, I need 10 workers on this patch and they all go. Makes total sense. Right? Yeah. Like Uh, in the downtown area. You know, this. you go to this patch, you go. Wow, that's so interesting. Kind of makes it feel even sadder. Like everybody, come on, let's go. Yeah, you want to be first in line, right? And then the credits. Uh, Yeah, so I did find Mr. Butler. We'll learn more about the credits. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely will. But Mr. Butler was actually Ephraim Butler, and he was born in Searcy in 1889, and he was a farmer his entire life, and he had five children. And I was kind of just looking at these children, and oh, there's a tragedy. Uh oh. In 1935, his daughter Ethel was already married and was living off in Arizona when she was killed by a passenger train that slammed into her car on a railroad track. 
Oh, dear. I know. I saw a newspaper article about it. And according to the witnesses, the bells were ringing like Mm -hmm. they were supposed to, to warn people. But she drove her car up onto the tracks and just stopped. Oh. So either she had a horrible car trouble Mm -hmm. or she panicked Mm -hmm. or she did it on purpose. Mm -hmm. Ah. But her death was Mm -hmm. so tragic and shocking to the Mm -hmm. people around the town that it changed the laws in her area to have better daylight signage maybe flashing lights or something. Because it wasn't the first um, accident that had happened there, but it uh-huh. was definitely, she was young, so it was tragic and And that sad. was like two years after Elizabeth wrote this diary entry uh, that, yeah, that happened. The, the poor Mr. Butler, who's, right. you know, oh, oh. It's always so sad when you remind me to put it in context like I, that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because for us, this is so far away, right. but for, for them, them, it was like right around the corner. It'll just be in a couple of years. He's probably so proud that his daughter's yeah. living in Arizona. And, oh. uh, right. You can tell the future having read this diary. Oh, gosh, you know. I know. Yeah, I could go back in time and go tell her not to. I know. Tell her everything's going to be okay. No. But he continues working as a farmer. He dies in 1960, and according to his death certificate, he died in a fire. Oh. I know. He had second and third degree burns on over 90% of his body. Oh, no. And he was 71 years old. Mr. Butler? Yes. Well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, this was a sad one. I know. So I I hate I hate the tragedy, but circle of life, I guess. I don't know. Poor Mr. Butler. Yeah. This is the first time we hear her say she's tired of this darn country. Right. It's a very infrequent thing that Elizabeth ever does is complain. Right. About things. She's very much like, Oh, it'll be fine and oh things could be worse and oh I'm just so tired. This time she's like Tired of this I damn mean, country. But it Darn. made me think, just in our last episode, which, uh, and this would have been for her a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. Bert Myers was, she said, told us all his troubles. Mm-hmm. So she's probably looking at Bert. She's 15 years old. Mm-hmm. She's like, God, oh, this poor family. And this country <sighs> has done this to them. Right. He thought he was doing great. And so she's got, a, she got a little mad. Mm-hmm. Good for her. I mean, you know, I I love that she's, you know, a strong stalwart woman, but good for her. Complain a little. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's okay. But I thought that was interesting because we've never heard her speak like that before. And she talks, it's the country. She's mad at the country, which would make me think she's overhearing grown up conversations. And the election cycles cranking up. So everyone's complaining. Yep. Of course. Yeah, that's exactly what's Mm -hmm. going on. So I thought that was cool. September 23rd, 1932. Helped wash this morning. After dinner, Francis and I made some of the best Divinity candy. And did I say it wrong? <laughs> I looked at you and I said it. Divinity. I didn't know that I was coming up. Spelled. Di- not Divinity. Div- like. I know. Well, it's like the word strategy don't that I can't put that say. in. God, stop it. <laughs> don't, all- don't, don't. This is all. That was off the record. Stop. <laughs> Seriously. What if I just beep it? <laughs> that was such a cute moment. Oh, damn it. You're so cute, though. I'll start again. <clears throat> September 23rd, 1932. Helped wash this morning. After dinner, Francis and I made some of the best divinity candy and put peanuts in it. Then we went down to Aunt Etta's. We pieced a little on the hexagon quilt. Francis went to see the director tonight to see if she could get the school in Step Rock. I don't think there's much chance, but I certainly hope so. I feel so bad and tired. September 24th, 1932. Francis and I were ironing this morning and decided we wanted to go to Judsonia. We got ready and went with Harry. Girlie couldn't go. 
Ethel, Lillian, Mona, and Mildred are all that are here. The rest are in Florida. Tommy came by and took us to the football game. It was Judsonia versus Cersei. Herschel stopped a while and talked. After supper, we went to town, got Red and Herschel, and went to Cersei to a midnight show. Interesting. They went to Florida. What the heck are the birds doing in Florida? I don't know. I mean, I can't just randomly search for birds in all of the state of Florida and see if they have relatives there, but that's what I'm assuming is going on. Now, there is a kid that we have already met, and I think it was Doyne, who ends up living as a contractor in uh, Miami. Okay. Doyne He's a cousin. Caps. Yeah, he's a Caps. Right. So I'm thinking there must be some family in Florida because he ends up there, and I want... Yeah. Did they mention Florida ever mm-hmm. again? Never. Okay. Yeah, no, this is... But I'm just like, how did they get the money? How are they getting there? Are they riding the bus? I guess yeah. there's a bus. I mean, what, yeah. what in the world? Right. The rest are in Florida. Anyway, that's a mystery. But okay, okay. She's 15 years old, and she's going to a midnight show with yeah. a couple of boys. My mother would have no more <laughs> let me do that than fly to the moon. How Doesn't interesting a midnight very- show. I guess a movie? Oh, yeah. Right. In Cersei, they have that cool movie theater. Oh, yeah, for sure. And but a she midnight always calls, show. She'll, she'll never say, I go to the movie. She'll always say, I go to a show. Right. Uh, for her whole life. And then I'll, this, because I've already read all these diaries, this sparked a memory for me that when she's dating the man she's going to marry, yeah. sometimes, or even like other boys, sometimes they'll pick her up at 10 uh-huh. at night. Uh-huh. What? That is odd. And her, it's like her parents don't. How interesting. But when she's living with Aunt Ella, she doesn't get to do anything. Oh, yeah. She's on oh, lockdown. Reva and and Elizabeth will always be like, but Aunt Ella wouldn't let us go. Okay. <laughs> so she's living. I, I mean, I think this is kind of lenient. Like, hey, can I go to the midnight show tonight, Mom? That's so interesting. With these boys in another city. It's 14 miles away. Yeah. Cersei from her tent. I mean, Dad was gets mad at her for walking That's with wild. Tommy, thinking she's going to get talked about, what? but they could right. go to a midnight show. You think it was just a regular movie, right? Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But just like, maybe because it's... Their version of Rocky Horror. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I thought that was very interesting. Totally. A midnight show. Yep. September 26, 1932. We all picked peanuts off the vine in the barn loft this morning. Francis and I pieced on our hexagon quilt this afternoon sat on the porch and sang tonight. Okay, I, I don't know how peanuts grow. I always heard mm-hmm. they grew underground. Right, I did right? too. So yeah. I guess they grow like in a vine oh. underground. I don't oh, know. I didn't yeah. research it. Right. I'm just like, we all <clears throat> pick right. peanuts off the vine. I, so do you pick them and let them dry out? Good question for know. our listeners. And for Jimmy Carter. Yes, Mr. Peanut <laughs> He's still man. alive. We I can know call he him. is. Good for that man. You know, I, I they him. had, what, their 77th <laughs> wedding anniversary the is other day? Is that what it is? I saw yeah. that in the, some, it's, it's in crazy. the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, can you imagine? But apparently his wife is um, has Alzheimer's now. She's, That's right. So she, oh. Yeah. And I don't know how he's doing, but I thought when I, we heard we were going into hospice that we were losing Jimmy Carter. I know. That but was a few months ago. He's hanging in there. He sure is. Bless his heart. Right. I know. That just goes to show you that calling in hospice is scary. It doesn't mean it's over. Totally. That means that. I know. Getting old. I'll tell you what. September 27th, 1932. Didn't do much of anything this morning. Got a letter from Lil. Sounded like she was so blue. Well, so am I. So what's the diff? All of them went to pick cotton this afternoon, but Mother and me. We went over to Aunt Delia's, and I learned how to put our hexagon quilt together. Going to bed early. September 28, 1932. 
We picked cotton for John Evans today. I got 65 pounds. How am I doing? Going to bathe and hop into bed for a good night's rest. She gets a lot from John Evans' patch. She, yeah, they work a lot for him. Yeah. It's funny that it's not like Uncle Clyde's patch. Yeah. So what is Uncle Clyde growing right now? Because I, I don't think I ever hear them picking cotton. For, I don't know. Maybe they do, and I'm just uh, missing it. But we know Mr. Evans, because mm-hmm. last episode, he and his wife, Prudy, had that little baby boy. And John, as we know, is never is not going to last in farming. He'll mm-hmm. become a firefighter in the 40s and a monument engraver in the 1950s, and that will literally kill him. Right. Inhaling the dust. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, so those are the Evans. September 29th, 1932. I didn't pick cotton this morning. I stayed home and helped Mother clean and get dinner. Worked in the store a little. Picked this afternoon. Got 31 pounds. Wish Herschel would come. I've had a pretty good time this month, but I've had to work hard. I like Herschel pretty well, I think. I wish I could go to school. October 1st, 1932. It was late when we got all the work done this morning. Woodrow and Archie came by today and talked about going to school at Plainview. I may go with them, and I may stay with Reva. After supper, I sat on the stile by myself and cried. (laughs) Yeah. But that's good news. Uh-huh. I mean, of course, she was working real hard today. Right. But it's good news that they're even talking about going to school. Yeah. And I'm wondering if they don't pick that cotton real fast. Because all September, you know, hmm. they're working in the fields. Now this is October. And maybe the harvesting is done. And she's able to finally have another break and mm-hmm. go to school, which is kind of amazing. But I looked for Woodrow. Yeah. And oh, my God. What? You'd be amazed Lo- how many Woodrows mm. are around that area in 1932. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like, it's more than like John. Well, <laughs> it interesting. Was, it was, so I don't Woodrow know. Woodrow Wilson. Which, yeah, and a lot of them are young, Might have. Mm-hmm. like her age. Mm. Woodrow Wilson was president, yeah, in Would 19... That be a it might connection. be. Connection. A gross one. But yeah, he was, I know he was president in 1915. <laughs> uh, and I guess, so that's an odd year. So yeah, maybe. For, maybe. Ugh. Well, well, poor guys. But anyway, there are a million Woodrows, so I don't know what Woodrow this is, but Archie was easy to find. Mm-hmm. His name is Archie Evans, and I can't find that he's related to John and Prudy Evans, mm-hmm. or even that Pauline Evans who does hair. Okay. Surely this family is all related, but right. I can't figure them out. But he's 17 in this diary entry, and in the 1940 census, he'll still be living at home and working on the farm. Mm-hmm. But he gets married that year to a, a young woman named Nellie Corbett, and he served in World War II, and he becomes a master sergeant. I mean, that's, that's nice. And then I don't really find him because I guess maybe they moved with the military, but mm. he disappears off the face of the earth. Okay. Abducted well, by aliens. That's yeah. what I've decided. <laughs> Woodrow. Yeah. No, that's oh, no, Archie. That Archie, I mean. Yeah, Woodrow. We'll find Woodrow eventually, but it takes right. quite a while. Yeah, yeah. October 3rd, 1932. Well, I started school at Plainview this morning. Went with Woodrow, Archie, and Violet. I think I'll stay with Reva after the first month. I came home and wrote a little on my story. I hope I can sell it. Silly of me to think that. But I hope I can do some for the depression. So she's talking about the 
the countries, actual depression. depression. The first time we read it, we thought right. it was her depression. Right. Like maybe if I can tell a story, I won't be so depressed. Right. No. <laughs> because I she didn't means, know that if in retrospect they were already calling it the Great Depression, but I imagine they were. They were. I, um, mean, they, I can't. Yeah. It, 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 the evolution of the word, of the phrase the Great Depression, the Great Depression came in in, I believe, 1937. Okay. And Roosevelt coined it. I see. It was just the Depression. Ah. And then it became the Great Depression. Okay. Oh, that's very interesting mm-hmm. to know. Well, that's good. Yeah, because at first we thought she was depressed and we felt sorry for right. her. Right. Um, and she might well, be. Well, she, yeah. Yeah, but right. uh, not clinically, you know. But anyway, Reva. We met Reva on the 4th of July at the big party. She's Aunt Ella's daughter. And we've talked a lot about Aunt Ella. She had that much older husband mm-hmm. and that stepdaughter, I think it was Aura, Aura Waller, mm-hmm. and they all live, uh, you know, wherever they live in uh, Providence. And because we were meeting so many people that day, I decided not to talk about Reva because I didn't want her to get muddied in the pitch. She's important. Because she's important. Terribly And she's important. really cool. And she's Elizabeth's best friend at the time. Well, inevitably, because they're living together, together. we will see little moments of conflict oh, I know. between them. <laughs> They'll yeah. get on each other's nerve a little. Nee, nee, nee. But, she, but all of her life, I'll see, she's a great, uh, Elizabeth is a great letter writer and correspondent, and she'll write letters to Reva. Oh, I didn't so know that. So she like, sat down and wrote it, or got a letter from Reva, so uh-huh. they stay in touch, uh-huh. which I think is really nice. But I think the best way to get to know Miss Reva is to read her obituary. Okay. I know I talked um, last episode about how much I love a good obituary. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to be so formal. You can make them interesting. And she has a nice one, so I think we'll all feel like we know Reva. Mm-hmm. Reva Ernestine Thompson Lorick, 99, of DeWitt, entered into eternal peace on January 1st, 2017. She was born in the community of Step Rock in White County, Arkansas, on December 12th, 1917, to Reuben Bennett and Ella Hartzell Thompson. She graduated from Plainview High School in White County. She attended Lyon College in Batesville. Now, that might be Leon. Might it, be. But, uh, Is it L-Y? Yes, I would say Leon. I'm just going to say Lion. Someone will tell me. It doesn't matter. (laughs) She was a member of the Alpha Delta Kappa Sorority and graduated from State Teachers College, now UCA, in Conway. Not afraid to try anything once, in 1945, she earned her pilot's license at Central Flying Service in Little Rock. Go Reva. I swear to God, a pilot in 1945, the war just ended. She's right. like, next war, I'm fighting. <laughs> right. <laughs> she moved to DeWitt to accept a teaching position and to also coach girls basketball. She met Francis Edward Lorick of DeWitt, and they were married for 40 years. In Reva's teaching career of 37 years in DeWitt, and St. Charles, she touched the lives of many children. She was a charter member of the DeWitt Country Club, where she loved to play golf. Mm -hmm. She spent many summers teaching her much-loved grandsons how to play the game. She was a talented artist and painted beautiful portraits and paintings, and was a faithful member of the DeWitt Church of Christ. She was also a member of the American Legion Auxiliary, the Brush and Palette Guild, the Art Club, (laughs) the DeWitt Garden Club, AEA, don't tell me what that means, that's fine, and ARDA. In her neighborhood, she was known for her beautiful daffodils in the spring. Aww. She's survived by her children, Lee, Ruth, and John Lorick. She is also survived by her four grandsons. Reva was a devoted wife, mother, grandmother, and friend to many. 
Riva. 99. Yeah. Oh, I'd be so mad if I didn't make it to 100. I'm like, it was on. all It was close. <laughs> she got, I remember doing she the video. So and it was close. close. Yeah. I know. But her child, Ruth, yeah. has become real important to us. Yeah. Because Ruth is cleaning out her mom's home. Correct. Riva. Riva. It looks like Riva and my... Dog. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. No, 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 no. Her, her daughter, Ruth. Right. So Riva looks like she was a keeper of things like right. my mother. Yeah. So she's got... She has Morris Hartzell's Bible. Yeah. She's got pictures. She has a picture of a young dean that her own daughter had never seen, that Pam, that we talked to. Right. I mean, that's really cool. So and Ruth has a treasure. That, right. Absolutely. And honestly, I just need to call Ruth and say, Ruth, let me come and help you. <laughs> you do need to First do that. First of all, I love to go through things right. and organize Can you things. imagine? Oh. I think she's got furniture from the Morris Hartzell Farmstead, I, I believe. Mean, that would be yeah. really cool. We need she to call kept, her. I know we do. She needs to be yeah. a bonus episode for, for sure because yeah. we'd love to hear about Reva and of course we love Ruth. And, and just the stories of Step Rock because um, I think you and I have talked about this before once the Hartzell girls leave Step Rock mm-hmm. and they never talk about it right I mean not to their children not in the diaries yep. there's no like gosh I remember the days on the farm mm. nothing wipe that dust off their shoes and keep walking right so Ruth could fill in a lot of gaps Reva was also like, a writer and she wrote this like 12 page reminiscing well she <laughs> She, she she did reminisce a little bit, Riva. Yes. She it was very factual what she wrote about. You mean the family history thing? Yeah, yeah, the, that was cool. Morris Hartzell, what kind of animals they raised there? She you know knew it was important to keep this on record. I think, I think that's really cool, but it's mm-hmm. really cute because I read that little thing you sent it to yeah. me, and at one point she wrote in it, "Are you still reading?" I know, I know. <laughs> we love it. We hang on I'm every like, word. Yes, write more. Are Absolutely. You yeah. No, I thought she was great. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Miss Reva, and she'll be around for quite a while. Yep. October seventh, nineteen thirty-two. Went to school all day. I was elected secretary of the literary club. I got out at Reva's on the way home. We got ready, put on our overalls, and started on a possum hunt. We went by for Ruby Davis, and then we went by the Yinglings and got James, Robert, Wanda, and Dorothy, and some more kids. Didn't even see a possum. I was with Robert part of the time. So this is so cute. Okay, now we have seen this before. She shows up the first day of school and she's the secretary of the literary club. <laughs> right. I mean, it doesn't take her long to make friends, get involved, volunteer. Right. Because probably it was like, oh, we need a secretary. And she's like, I'll do it. And they're like, Every, all in favor, vote aye. You're aye. right. So good for her. Yeah, right. I mean, I think at her age, I would have been like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't right. pick me for anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so not much to find out about Ruby Davis. She was born uh, in 1915. She was one of four children and her dad was a lettuce farmer hmm. i was in it they, they put lettuce farmer on hmm. the census i thought okay in 1944 which is kind of late i think she was 26 mm-hmm. she marries vernon ridner and he's a welder and then they're abducted by aliens and there's no record and there's, of them, and they're, they're gone. gone yeah that's it Can't, and, and couldn't find anything about vernon and with a name like vernon ridner i thought he right. all i found was his world war ii draft card okay that's how i know he was a welder he, uh-huh. And, uh uh-huh. Yeah, so nothing. And what about the Yinglings? Right. We met Lady Yingling in episode 10. I thought that sounded 10. familiar. Yes, because remember her name was Sarah Adelaide Yingling, mm-hmm. but she applied for a delayed birth certificate in 1960 yeah. and didn't use the name Sarah or Adelaide, just put right. Lady on it. Put what? Lady. 
Like her right. nickname, she just was right. like, well, that's my name. That's what everybody calls yeah. me. And I got mad because I'm like, that's how you mess up a historical that's researcher, right. <laughs> uh, Sarah. But that's fine. She can do whatever she wants. Oh, lady. Um, but Lady is not, is probably his cousin. I didn't find them in the same household. Uh-huh. This is a different Yingling. There are a lot of Yinglings. Wow. It's an interesting name. I want to know its but origin. Was German? Probably. Yeah. Uh, most certainly. Yeah. I, but I, I didn't really dive into the Yingling family yeah, yeah. tree. I got enough Hartzels going on. But Robert was born in seven, 1917. Mm-hmm. And by the 1940s, he's married a young lady named Edna. And he met her at Harding College, where they mm-hmm. both got their degrees. And she was an honor student. He becomes a PE teacher and then a recreational director for the Veterans Hospital. They have two children, and they end up getting a divorce in 1972. And since there are no census records available after 1950, I have no earthly idea what he was doing. But at one point, I did find a telephone directory where he was living in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And he died in 1998. But his ex-wife mm-hmm. will live until 2004. And in her obituary, one of the things that was mentioned was what a talented seamstress she was mm-hmm. and how the clothing she had made for her family would be cherished for generations. Well, oh. there you go. I was like, that was cool. So I, I bet she made like baptismal gowns right. or wedding dresses right. or something. important stuff. But I think that's really cool. Yeah, but very cool. Yeah, I, I did find out why I can find no census records from 1950. Mm-hmm. A genealogist reached out to me on mm-hmm. Facebook, and she's like, there's a privacy act where the 72-year rule. So they're not going to put out the 1960 so 70- until 72 years later. Oh, and since we know that really? I cannot do math, I don't know what year. <laughs> I, I don't know. Somewhere I mean, really put a gun to my head right now. 1952, yeah. Oh, really? No. I, or no. No, no. No, no. No, That makes no sense. Okay, so 60 to 60 would be 100, minus 30 would be the 2030. would be... It'd be like, so like 2030, yeah, we'll get right. the 1960 yeah, yeah. census. So okay. there we go. Uh, 72-year rule. Yeah, I didn't know that, but she was a professional now, genealogist, and I wanted okay, to go. I, I wanted to go, sit down with me for a little bit. Seriously. Now, yeah. the, the possum they were hunting, <gasps> I assume, is for food. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. There was a, a yard man who worked for my mom, and there was this huge raccoon up in a mm-hmm. tree out in the daylight. And you don't want to see raccoons yeah. like, in the daylight. But he was like, um, let me go get my gun. I'll shoot it, and I'll eat it tonight for dinner. Really? And I was like, no, you won't. I said, let me oh. buy you dinner. Shoot Seriously. the raccoon if you want, because if he's out in the day, maybe yeah, he's sick. Yeah, feral. But mm-hmm. I was like, no, 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 no. Well, she we had we to can do possum. better than that. Yeah, but they went on a possum hunt. I want to know what they were going to do if they caught a possum. Because you've they seen They put them in a burlap uh, sack. And then what do they do? And then they put them in a trap. My dad used to eat possum, and he told me this. Then they fatten them up for a few weeks, and then they eat them by frying them. Oh. And there are pictures of these little fried possums. Possums are so scary. They're, I mean, they can be real cute when they're yeah. babies, but they do that. I mean, they're a good I mean, thing, they but they hiss. Yes. Yeah, and that's terrifying. But they mostly spend time in trees. Yes. So Elizabeth would climb a tree, I'm sure, if she saw a possum in a tree. Or shake a tree to run them out. Or shake a tree. But the point Ooh, was to I get them in the burlap I would have run screaming the sack. other way. I know. I would have never caught one. But well, I guess they put on their overalls to so they wouldn't get their clothes dirty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess that's possum hunting. Yep. Where? I thought that was kind of fun. So that's Rob. Robert, who she didn't get a chance to marry. Okay. Good um, PE teacher. And I'm glad she didn't get married to him. (laughs) Yeah, it would have been really inconvenient for you. Yeah, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) October 8th, 1932. 
Reva and I helped Aunt Ella wash a while this morning, got dinner, had fried, burned squirrel, came home with Uncle Clyde, talked to Francis up at the tent, just got through with the dishes. I'm going to bed. It's so cold. Okay, so she's home. She, she gets a ride home with Uncle Clyde. She eats dinner with her family. It's cold, but they're going to bed in the tent. Mm. So we always thought, oh, when it gets cold, do they sleep on the floor in the house by the fire? Right. Not tonight. No. Yeah. And there's probably not enough room is the reason. I'm a lot sure, of people yeah. ask that on Facebook but and TikTok. What they do, just give like load them up in quilts and just it's like, okay, honey, What if it in. rained? Yeah. Just miserable and cold around two degrees at some point. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We get to that. Can you even imagine? No. Surely they were like, come in the house tonight. But did, would they have known? Well, at that point, they were at, at Ella's when it was two degrees. Were but they? not, yeah. But anyway, oh. I don't think it was a lot better in the house. But they wouldn't have like the weatherman coming on going, right. okay, look exactly. out. It's going to be below right. freezing tonight. That's right. So it'd right, just right. be like, damn, it's cold. Oh, right. Exactly. Oh, that's so sad. I know. Yeah. October 9th, 1932. Went to Sunday school this morning. Tommy and Jesse were there. Didn't have much to say to them. October 11th, 1932. Reva and I decided on some new outfits before school this morning. Went to school. I may get to be the main girl in a play down there. Came home this afternoon. Got a letter from Bill. Okay, and now she's in a play. (laughs) This is just like when she moved to Bell the first time. She got a boyfriend. She got in a play. Yeah, like on date two. Like day two. Yeah, like meet me, date me, put me in a play. (laughs) I mean, whatever. And at one point, we will find out the name of this play. I think it's The Gate to Happiness. The Gate, yes. Something like that. That is it. But they're going to put it on, and then they're going to do it again. So that's when we find out the name. It's funny that she doesn't mention the name or the name of the character she plays. Right. So that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so she likes to do plays, and this is her second one that we'll see and i think that's neat that she has that artistic creative Mm -hmm. you know many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Piano playing. Piano, yeah. All that kind of stuff. So I love it. October 12th, 1932. Went to school all day. We took Woodrow Joyner home and got a playbook. I came home and wrote to Bill, I may get to take Ruth Harrison's place in the play. I hope so. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to do Ruth first because she's mm-hmm. a juicy one. Oh, good. I mean, not that they all aren't fun and wonderful and I love mm-hmm. learning about their lives, but I like it when their lives get a little sticky. 
like in episode nine with Wilma, Gilpin, Gilmore, Avery, Lewis, or whatever her <laughs> super long name was. So Ruth has a fun life too. She's my hopeless romantics here. Ruth Harrison was born in December of 1916 in Harrison. So I like it when their last name matches the name Is of the, the city. Is the city? Yeah. yeah, so she must be somebody fancy. Okay. Her father was 18 years older than her mother, and he died of pneumonia in 1922. So she would have Ooh, been six right years after old. she was born. Yeah, yeah pretty right. soon. And he was only 60 years old when he died. Mm. So he leaves behind a wife and four children, which is kind of rough. Yeesh. In 1934, at the ripe age of 17, <laughs> Ruth will marry a man named Troy Billingsley, who was only 18. Mm. Now, in a way, I can see her like, well, I got to get married because mom, Mm -hmm. first of all, needs Mm -hmm. me out of the house. Second of all, I want to get out of this probably super impoverished situation. They get married in 1934. So the great two years after this. Yeah. yeah, So she's she's ready. She's ready to go. They have a daughter Mm -hmm. and her name is Jean. And in 1936, they get a divorce. Mm-hmm. So they were only married long enough to have this baby, and then it's over. In 1940, Ruth will become a housekeeper, and have no fear, she will find love again. She will marry a man named Edwin Hamilton in 1943. Mm-hmm. And one year later, they'll have a son named James. Mm-hmm. Edwin was a truck driver, and maybe he's gone too much, because five years into the marriage, they get a divorce. Mm-hmm. So in 1948, she's free and single again. And in the 1950 <laughs> census, Ruth is living with her mother and her two children and she's a nurse for a doctor who's in private practice so Mm -hmm. like the local doctor Mm -hmm. you know she's his little nurse the doctor she works for is a man named william dodd and dr dodd is about seven years older than ruth he was born in 1909 and he was married to a woman named ardell and they had a daughter named carolyn and when carolyn turned 18 in 1956 dr dodd divorced his wife ardell to turn right back around and marry ruth his younger pretty little nurse. Oh, no. Okay. So now. it looks like he waited until his daughter was 18 uh-huh. and then said, I'm, I'm out of here. Oh, God, yeah. I kind of hate that. Well, but what are you going to do? Love is love, right? And I don't actually know what year they got married, so I don't know if it's right. the exact same year. But he dies in 1977, and they share a tombstone, and uh-huh. she's the wife, uh-huh. which has got to be like uh-huh. right. just a kick in the butt for poor little <laughs> Carolyn. But Ruth Harrison Billingsley Hamilton Dodd lives until 2013, and the cemetery she's buried in is called Shady Grove. <laughs> Shady Grove. So I hope it's not because of her shade, because then I'll be buried there with her. <laughs> but oh, but here was a little bit of her obituary. Yeah. Which I really liked. Uh-huh. Ruth was an accomplished pianist slash organist. She shared her music with weddings, funerals, teas, style shows, beauty pageants, birthday celebrations, and open houses. All right. <laughs> like like you're trying to sell your house open house? What, the, what kind of open house? Like, and meanwhile, we have a little pianist yeah. in the corner. That'd be great. Uh, she was an organist for the First United Methodist Church of Bald Knob, Searcy, mm. Russell, and Kensett, hmm. and the First Christian Church of of bald knob so she played all the churches all the churches all the time right ruth was a member of the order of the eastern star mm-hmm. i should have looked up what that was she was a past matron of the george washington chapter of bald knob a member of the searcy chapter and the watkins chapter in kensett arkansas so i'm assuming these are all george washington chapters 
So I don't know. What does that, that mean? That do you would know? mean that you were like George Washington had societies like the Society of the Cincinnati. And if you were an officer in the Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. you were a member of that. So maybe this is like a Daughters of the oh, Revolution see. kind right. of thing. That's uh, the only thing I can think sure. of. But someone will tell us. She was a past grand organist of the Grand Chapter Order of Eastern Star of Arkansas. Good Lord. There are too many grands in that. It makes it sound like (laughs) something bad. (laughs) Yeah. The grand chapter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And she was the past grand representative Mm. of British Columbia and Yukon in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And she shared her music with everyone in the district. I thought that was lovely. She was busy. Ruth was, you know, she was busy, falling in love, uh, having babies, stealing husbands. (laughs) Being grand. And being grand. And she, but she was uh, an actress in Mm -hmm. her teens and she was a pianist, a lot like Elizabeth. I mean, she and Elizabeth kind of lived the same, not the marriages, but the love Mm -hmm. of theater and the love of music. I bet they were good friends, Mm -hmm. even though she took her part in the play. But I'm thinking they did that because Ruth probably couldn't do it because she had obligations at home. Can you imagine in 1932, her dad's dead. Yeah. It's her mom and That's right. her sibling. And she's not the youngest That's right. sibling. That makes sense. So, yeah, there's probably, there's probably a sad reason do we why find Ruth out, uh-huh. couldn't do the play. Do we find out if Elizabeth got it? We will. We'll okay. find out. We'll okay. find out. Okay. And then we came across in that episode another Woodrow, Woodrow Joyner. And like I said, there are a bunch of Woodrows. So this can't be the Woodrow who's driving her to school with Archie. It's not? Well, because she would have, she wouldn't have called him by his last name. Usually, oh. she does that the first time you meet someone, and so she. Why would all of a sudden she be calling yeah. him? Joiner. I, I do think I finally Woodrow. figured it out. Okay, so this Woodrow Joiner was born in Judsonia in 1914, and he ends up becoming a farmer, just like his family. When we meet him in this entry, and he'll marry a young girl named Eloise, and he'll die at the age of 70 in 1985. <laughs> Eloise remarried sometime after. So I'm hoping that's the Woodrow that's not the car rider. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, everything was solved if I just had patience and read the very next entry. <laughs> <laughs> October 13th, 1932. Went home with Reva after school today. Woodrow's Malloy and Joyner came by to take us to play practice. But we had asked L.N. Higgler to take us so Aunt Ella wouldn't let us go. I wasn't in the play. I went to the store with Woodrow Joyner and got some gum, went back and talked to Jim and Buck, and came home with the two Woodrows. Wish I could hurry up and get a letter from Frank. <laughs> so mm-hmm. now we know who the Woodrows are. Mm-hmm. And actually, Woodrow Malloy, his name is spelled different on a lot of things. Like sometimes it's Malloy with an mm-hmm. A. And I think that when we look at all these past recordings I did for the Facebook, Mm -hmm. I'm saying either Malloy or Malloy, because I don't know. But Mm -hmm. on his tombstone, it's M-O-L-L-O-Y. Oh. And he was born in February of 1915. And in 1939, he marries Ruth Mm -hmm. Maslis, not Ruth. Not Ruth. Yes. (laughs) Although he probably could have had a shot if he tried, because she was ripe for marriage. But I was excited at first when I saw a Ruth, because I thought, oh, is it the girl from the play and, and they met not. doing the yeah, play? Yeah, right, right, right. So it's too bad. It's not, oh, well. it's not that rude. Yeah. He will end up working for a paper company and dying in 1982 at the age of 66. And his Ruth will live on until 2003. Mm. And there's not a whole lot mm-hmm. else about uh, mm-hmm. who they were or what they were doing. But LN was LN. 
That, that was, was his, name. his name. That's what everybody called him, and that's what's on his tombstone. L period N. L period yeah. N period. L hey Ellen. Let's go. It sounds like Ellen. Ellen. I wouldn't want this. But anyway, <laughs> I found his birth certificate, and he's born in September of 1914, and his name is Lewis. Nothing wrong with the name Lewis, except for a fact that I guess he was a junior. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, come on. If you're going to name your kid after you, and you're like, well, uh, let's just not call him anything. Let's just call him initials. I mm-hmm. mean, just, then think of a different name. So the his por- name was Lewis? His name was Lewis. And well, even after he's out of his parents' house, he's LN for the rest of his life. Because his parents couldn't think of a more original name. <laughs> so the L stands for Lewis. The L stands for Lewis, but everybody called him LN. And gotcha. it's like I said, it's on his tombstone. It doesn't even say Ellen, right. Lewis and right. because Quote. nobody would have known who the hell that was. <laughs> L-N. They'd be like, well, where's LN buried? L- I swear to God. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. Uh, it, well, it's like Red Scruggs. You know, you say, <laughs> yeah. well, let's call him Red. And right. then you never call him by, it said yeah. Red Scruggs in his obituary. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Poor kid. In 1942, he marries a young girl named Opal Pruitt. And they have two children, Hoyt and Anita. In the 1950 census, he's a distributor for an oil company, and his wife is a fourth grade teacher. He dies in 1996 at the age of 81, and she will outlive him until 2011. She dies at the age of 94. But her obituary was really sweet, talking about how she taught school for 30 years, Mm -hmm. and everyone called her Miss Opal. Okay. Which is adorable. When you call Miss a teacher Opal. by their first name, yeah. that means they're it's a nice. sweet teacher. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean if you go by your last name, you're a horrible teacher. Yeah. But I like when they're so sweet that they're like, you yeah. can call me Miss Opal. Right. Like everybody I know who's younger, like all mm-hmm. Sophie, everybody calls me either Mama Liz or Miss Liz. No right. one calls me Mrs. Duran. I don't. I mean, I'd be like, Miss who? Liz. My mother-in-law's here? No, yeah, I'm right. Liz. You call me Liz. <laughs> so it's so cute, and I love that. October 15th, 1932. Just worked around here this morning. Ethel came over here this afternoon. We sat in the kitchen and talked. We all went to a party tonight. I walked around the house with Henley Caps. We all rode home with Bill and Francis, and I spent the night with Gurley and Ethel. Punkest party. Punkest? What? I don't know what, what do that you mean? means. I, that's what she Are wrote. Are you sure? I, I looked at it. Yeah. I zoomed in yeah, on yeah. it. I don't, unless she said puniest party, but there's really? definitely a K. Uh-huh. Punkest. I guess that was an expression back then. We need then. to look like, that it must up. Have that's been, so interesting. It must be a good party. Okay. Punkest. It's Although P-U-N-K-I-S-T, I would think. P-U-N-K-I-S-T for yeah. those of you listening. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that is weird. Okay. So there's Henley. He's back. He's back. We met him in the last episode. Mm-hmm. We gave him a little intro. We'll get more into him later. So get used to Henley because he's going to be around. She's stacking up boyfriends right now because she doesn't have just one at a time. <laughs> she now. has a flow chart. She, <laughs> she has her schedule going yeah. and he's definitely on it. And we haven't heard anything about Herschel lately. Remember, right. she just said a little while ago, mm-hmm. I think I like Herschel. Yeah. Well, so, but here's Henley. That was so yesterday. I guess it's a proximity meter right. for love. <laughs> yeah, and walked around the house was a game they played. Isn't that cute? Yeah, they walked around the house. Yeah, I love it. So it's like, what do they ring a bell and like everybody switch? Because I guess there's no room I don't for dancing. Know. You had to do thing. Yeah, you had to do things like touch that chair in really? that corner, and once you did that, you had to go in the other room and touch the you know whatever. Oh, yeah, that it was a like game. We'll do that at our next game night. And they here timed at my house. it. Sure. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Race Your around house the house will be a mess after that. <laughs> like it's not. 
with all the all the it's confetti not. that happens at every yeah. one of my game nights. Yeah, Liz has, loves confetti. I, it's I, great. I, and they I'm the suddenly, one cleaning it boom, up. So I was going to say, but yeah, you but have to clean it months up. later, I'll be vacuuming, yeah. and then little piece of confetti will come out from I under the couch. It. I'm like, where'd you come from? So I love it. I think it's so cute. Totally. So then, okay. So I was worried about where Herschel is, and then again, if I had patience, mm-hmm. here comes Herschel. October 18th, 1932. Went to school all day, and Ethel went with me. We started home after school and saw John Evans taking some cotton to town. We flagged him down and went with him. Went to Ava's, then went to the office and talked to Mildred and Lillian. Mildred told me some bad tales about Herschel. Ethel and I rode back on some cotton seed. I ate supper at her house. Ethel and I have a date Friday. So, speak of the devil and he shall appear. There's Herschel. Herschel. But I wonder what bad things they were bad saying about tales Herschel. about Herschel. You know, it's going to be about women. It's about like, yep. Herschel dated this girl and that's then he right. didn't marry her. <laughs> right. Like Rhett Butler coming to town. But that's October 18th of 1932, mm-hmm. and I haven't said any much about the world going on around them. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of bad things about people, it's time to talk about Henry Ford. Okay. On the very next day, October 19th, 1932, anti-Semite and known garbage person Henry Ford Mm -hmm. will give a speech endorsing Herbert Hoover's run for a second term in office. Wow. Oh. He's trying to say that Hoover has experience and he knows what's going on and let him stay and get the work done that Uh he clearly hasn't already done. Oh, and by the way, he killed some army veterans. Why are we giving this man another chance? Mm -hmm. Um, That's a a big no. Money and deregulation, probably. Yes, you know, because Hoover was just like um, Calvin Coolidge before him, laissez-faire, let mm-hmm. the business run mm-hmm. itself, don't right. regulate business, it'll right. be fine. Well, banks could have used a little regulating, I think, so right. anywho. But I saw lots of articles of Henry Ford, mm-hmm. Herbert Hoover, and Thomas Edison, mm-hmm. all like mm-hmm. doing things together, mm-hmm. always hanging out. Mm-hmm. And Henry Ford was a very dangerous anti-Semite uh-huh. of his time. He bought a newspaper called the Dearborn Independent, and he would print all these baseless fake articles about how Jewish people were ripping you off and how the jews were responsible for the world war they didn't own they didn't call it one yet because we didn't have a two yet mm-hmm. <laughs> but apparently the jews started the world war and that somehow the jews had ruined the navy no. i i don't know right. how they did that uh, but that's what he believed and that's bad enough but henry ford didn't just own like one newspaper that would be in one state mm-hmm. or one district he owned ford dealerships all over the country mm-hmm. and every dealership had copies of this newspaper <laughs> and every time you bought a ford a latest copy of that newspaper would be in the car. Really? So if you think it's easy to get misinformation spread now because there's too much opportunity Mm -hmm. for information, imagine when there was no opportunity to find Mm. information and you go with your hard-earned money to buy this new car from this company that you probably have a lot of respect for and a guy who seems to have like come from nothing and made a life and made this huge business and he's saying these awful things about people and there's no basis in fact. Mm -hmm. It means something. I mean, it can mess up a lot of people. Right. And that, if that's happening then, now mm-hmm. we totally understand why when that traveling exhibit is going around about tenant farms, mm-hmm. sure do wish we had a Hitler. Exactly. Because people like Strong Henry man. Ford, uh-huh. you know, Profess- he's also the reason why hmm. square dancing is, quote, racist. Oh, I didn't know that. 
there's a there's a woman on TikTok, uh, and I can't remember her, but a lot of people on TikTok have talked about it. When jazz and blues were coming up, and like mm-hmm. dancing and like things like that, and Henry that's that was a, had a black base and African American mm-hmm. base in this country. Uh, and Henry Ford was like, well, we got to have something for white people. Mm-hmm. So he started inst- uh, inst- the, in square dancing and making mm-hmm. square dancing taught in school mm-hmm. with like the country music and, and of a, a, a more white culture. I see thing going right. on. So yeah, it's a right. whole thing. If you give it a goog, the whole square white dancing one. thing. Yeah. But okay, so why does Henry Ford? What, what does he have against Jewish people? So I looked up a little context for us, and the early 20th century saw a significant wave of Jewish immigration to the United oh. States. That's my dog. Uh, apparently, I'm getting an Amazon package. Oh, all right, or something. Do you Someone know what rang it is? the doorbell. I know, and I don't like. You know, can't you just leave the package? Yeah, you don't need me to sign for it. Right, really sweet. I guess you let me know you were here, but then this stupid dog is going to bark at you <laughs> until you get back in your truck and, and drive she's... all the way down the street. Okay. So, context. Right. The early 20th century saw a significant wave of Jewish immigration to the United States, primarily between 1880 and 1924. Mm-hmm. So this would be a good time for Henry Ford to start noticing Mm -hmm. these people. And during this period, about 2 million Jewish people immigrate to America. They're fleeing religious persecution, Mm -hmm. economic hardship, and political instability, especially in Eastern Europe and especially Russia. Okay. So a couple of episodes ago, we talked about the 1.5 million Irish that came over and freaked everybody out. Right, And the Irish are going to ruin everything. And so you can imagine they're feeling the same way about a Jewish culture, particularly Mm. because these aren't even Christians. Right. So they're forming their own communities with their own synagogues and their own businesses, and it just looks, quote, different. Mm -hmm. So that's what people decide to turn their attention onto, which is... um, and making it harder for them to assimilate into the communities that they moved to. It's, a, it's so odd that Henry Ford pushed that. Well, I took a class in college called um, Zionism and the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and it was one of the favorite classes I ever took. But basically, you know, when money started, mm-hmm. uh, cat- Christians weren't supposed to make money on money. It, the Pope was against it. Um, mm-hmm. You're never a borrower nor a lender be kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and making money on money was a sin. Mm-hmm. So if you needed to borrow money, mm-hmm. you couldn't go to another Christian. You had to go to Jewish people. Oh. So then if you owe money to somebody, who do you hate? The person that you owe money to. Uh-huh. And it just generated <laughs> like a... a, a Mm, like what they were allowed to do for business and how to mm-hmm. be successful if they are moving into Europe. There are only so many mm-hmm. jobs they can do. Mm-hmm. And if one of them is sort of a banking kind of job, then you can see how people thought, oh, quote, the Jewish banks. Right. And it was all this prejudice and incorrect mm-hmm. thought about what Jewish people were doing in Europe that created the anti-Semitism that would lead to the Holocaust. It would eventually lead to the movement of Zionism, which happened after World War II when a lot of Jewish people were moving back to Israel they're like, well, we're mm-hmm. not living here anymore, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the Zionism, right. it, mm-hmm. it's not a problem, but it causes the unrest mm-hmm. that's still going on in, in Israel today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm no scholar, and I might have gotten some of that wrong, but that's what I learned in my class, and my teacher was very, very smart, <laughs> and so that's what I know. <laughs> but that's what's happening here in America. Mm-hmm. And in the mid-19th century, Jewish immigrants began to move westward, also driven mm-hmm. by factors like economic opportunities. I mean, think about the railroads and right. the farms and the sure. businesses and the manufacturing that was going on. And many settled in cities like Chicago, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Cincinnati, and were emerging as an important industrial and commercial 
centers mm-hmm. and worker and owning these businesses. So you can mm-hmm. see why Henry Ford is like, hey, back up. Right. You're coming into my territory. Hey, we were on that map the other day just looking at St. Louis, looking at places where exactly. Francis lives. So yeah. St. Louis is a cool city. So immigration is a big problem and then the great depression hits and then you got to start blaming people right the irish are coming over taking our jobs the jewish mm. people are coming over and hoover's slogan at that time in his re-election for president was american jobs for real americans okay so like only native americans could get work is that what he's trying to say? <laughs> yeah so this brings us to what was also going on about this time mm. the mexican repatriation program are you familiar with this? No. I wasn't either. Yeah. And then someone on the Tatak mm-hmm. uh, made open to my eyes to this, and I researched oh. it, and I thought, good Lord. It was launched in 1930 okay. by Hoover's administration. And under this program, federal, state, and local governments collaborated with private organizations and businesses to encourage mm-hmm. Mexicans both citizens and non-citizens, to return to Mexico. Yikes. The government provided transportation assistance, including buses and trains. However, it is important to note that the term repatriation can be misleading, as many Mexican immigrants who were targeted and pressured to leave the United States were not actually repatriates. The majority of them were born in born the United here? States and had never lived in Mexico before. Jeez. And they were forced to leave their homes and communities in the United States, resulting in the disruption of their lives and families. Yikes. The exact number of people who were repatriated or coerced or um, tricked into leaving mm. during this period is uncertain, as accurate records were obviously not kept. Right. Right. But estimates range wild, widely from 400,000 to 2 million Yikes. People. And the repatriation efforts disproportionately affected Mexican immigrants and individuals of Mexican descent to significant social economic consequences for many communities. So, right. So, once again, this brings me right back to that tenant farm exhibit that FDR, you know, paid for with government money to show people this is what's happening on farms in America. And you know what else FDR did that I didn't know about until a couple of days ago? What? He started, well... I went in our town. We have a new African-American museum. Mm-hmm. And I decided to go and see it. The best thing that ever happened to Franklin Roosevelt was getting polio. Honestly. How because, so? Because he got it. First of all, he, he was a very privileged person. Mm-hmm. So he learned what suffering was. And he became stronger and more determined because mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And he went to Warm Springs, Georgia for the healing waters of the hot springs. And he ends up actually buying. But on the drive there, I mean, he's not flying in. He's not taking Air Force One. He's driving in and he's seeing these farms. He's seeing these poor people. And he's seeing a lot of black people. Uh And he's like, you know what we need to do? We need to record the memories of these formerly enslaved people. So he started the Federal Writers Project, and it was a program established during the Great Depression in the United States as part of the Works Progress Administration, and one of the significant contributions was a collection of oral histories and narratives of formerly enslaved individuals. Mm. Under the Federal Writers Program, a group of interviewers, many of them who were writers, were assigned the task of recording the life stories and experience of people who had been enslaved before the Civil War. This is all available Mm. on the Library of Congress website, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to put up a couple of pictures from it because some of the transcriptions Mm -hmm. are just some of the things these people talk about. I don't even know if I want to put it on our Patreon because I I feel like I would need to edit it Mm -hmm. for words that I don't feel comfortable. Wow. And for situations that some of these maybe particularly women went through (sighs) that are 
horrible. But because of FDR, mm. so FDR is not only trying to support the farmers and help manufacturing, help everything. He's helping writers and photographers mm-hmm. have jobs, important jobs too. Totally important. I'm telling you, the more written, I get to know that, about this man. But if you uh, right. ever come to Charleston, you need to make time to go to the International African American Museum. It's the, the the love child of our former mayor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he started trying to do this project in 1993. Wow. This was way before Washington. And it just opened. Did, and I mean, it's finally, well, after getting funding and... Joe Riley is his name. Joe Riley was our mayor for 40 years. And 40. He was great. Yeah. Oh, anyway, we'll have to do a whole podcast on Joe Riley. <laughs> but that's what's going on at that in the world. Yeah, interesting. So this is, this is affecting people's judgment of like... Who a Jewish person is, who a Mexican person yeah. is, and creating yeah, narratives yeah. for their kids and their wow. grandkids that are going to stick around for a long time. For sure. Definitely World War II. Mm. October 19th, 1932. Went home with Riva after school today. We thought we might get to go to the show with Gurley, Ethel, and Francis, but no such chance. We went to play practice with L.N., I'm taking Ruth's part as the main girl, and she's taking my part with Herschel. Violet, Woodrow, and I came by home tonight. Archie stayed down there. She got the part. Yay! Yay! I know, so good for her. And it's confusing, but home is Step Rock, and then home is sometimes with Reva. In plain so, view. Yes. For Providence. Yeah, so it's it's confusing, but all we know is that if Reva's with her, she's probably in a house. Yeah. And if she talks about Woodrow and Archie, she's heading on back to Step Rock. And, but sometimes Reva right. comes home with her. Oh. And spends the oh, night. Really? But in the tent? Yes. Yeah, Maybe probably Reva had to thought work it was cool. The next day. Well, uh, you, thank you for my segue. Uh, next entry okay. coming up. <laughs> gotcha. October 20th, 1932. Helen, Leon, Daddy, and I dug berry plants this morning. We dug 3,200. After dinner, I cleaned up. Gurley and Ethel came down. Ethel set my hair and plucked my eyebrows. We looked at memory books. I went to their house, and we three girls went to Judsonia with Prince. After supper, Gurley, Ethel, and I went to town, talked to Vernell. Then we went up to the school fair, saw everyone, including Herschel. He talked to us. Yeah, so sometimes she's coming home because she's not going to get to go to school that next day because they need her in the field. Yeah, that's you know, yeah, it's so it's so sad to think about it, but it's four miles by the way from Step Rock to where she. Uh, Yeah, and in the car back then, I guess that would have taken what half an hour. No, not that long. I don't know. The roads were pretty. Roads were bad. Yeah, bad. October twenty first, nineteen thirty two. Ethel and I were supposed to have a date with Woodrow and Jim, but no way. (laughs) But no way? (laughs) No way. They do like getting stood up. Um, So that was the Friday they were waiting. Like, we have dates on Friday, and that was the Friday, and they totally got stood up. Mm. October 23rd, 1932. Went to Sunday school this morning. Didn't have much dinner. I was eating nuts after dinner, and a yellow jacket stung me. It surely did hurt. Came up to the tent and read my autograph book. Still wishing the same wish I did last year. And I looked that up. Mm-hmm. It was, I wish I had a fella. <laughs> oh, really? So she's just always looking for a fella. Uh, she looked at the previous year. Yeah, yeah, That's I did. Hilarious. I went back and looked. Yeah, and she yeah, had looked and at she it. Did. And she's yeah. like, same. You know, say, well, a year same. later, same. Yeah. <laughs> November 4th, 1932. Violet and Woodrow went home with Reva and me after school. Francis was there. We baked some coconut pies for the pie supper. Francis went to Cersei with Jesse, and the rest of us went to the pie supper. Herschel came out there but barely spoke. I won the candy for being the prettiest girl. 
Lee West got my pie. We all started home and Woodrow was drunk. We stopped to get Violet and Vanderhern to help sober him up. Francis had to drive home. I have a date with Herschel for Sunday. Mm. So, wait a minute. Herschel barely speaks to her, and then she's the prettiest girl, and suddenly she has a date. Herschel, (laughs) I got a bone to pick with you. But Lee West got her pie. So, all I know about Lee West is that he hightails it out of Arkansas in 1940 and moves to California with his new bride, Miss Essie Maygun. They have two children, a little boy and a little girl, and he's out there working in the construction industry. Miss Essie May dies in 1967 at either 49 or 50. I don't know when she was born. But anyway, she died very young. Mm -hmm. And he will outlive her, and he dies in the 1980s. And never remarried, so good for him, but that's the one who got away. (laughs) But he got her pie at the pie supper. And then he hot-tailed it all the way to California. And then he went. A coconut pie, which we have heard from other people in the family, that was one of her best pies. Her coconut pie. Yep. So that's good. November 6, 1932. Tommy came over here early this morning and asked me for a date. Went to Sunday school. After dinner, Francis and I were playing the Victrola at Aunt Edda's, and Tommy and Jesse came by. We went to Pangburn, saw Raymond, came back and went up on the mountain, saw some Plainview kids, then went home. Red said the other night that he and Herschel were coming out here tonight, so we got ready, but they didn't come. So we're about to enter the Herschel-Tommy love triangle, right. which will end up actually being the Herschel-Tommy Henley, Henley. Elizabeth Love Square. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I thought this was interesting. November 8th, 1932. Roosevelt won. I saw Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) So those are the big things that happen. So Roosevelt's here, thank the Lord in heaven. And he Mm. didn't just win. He spanked that man. He got 42 out of 48 states. And interesting, and it really wouldn't be this way today, the states that voted for Hoover Mm -hmm. were all the New England states. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The main New Hampshire. It just wouldn't happen. No, those are very blue states today. today. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that is. But ideology shift and change. And we're not going to get into when Democrats became Republicans or Republicans. But it it did switch. It did. Oh, absolutely. Lincoln was a Republican. Yes. So my Republican friends always say, well, we're the party that freed the slaves. And I'm like, I don't think. Yeah, they would have been Democrats. Totally. Of course. Martin Luther King was a Republican. Yeah. So. Ideologies shift and change. Maybe it's happening again. We'll find out. (laughs) November 18th, 1932. Went to school all day. Didn't have any classes all day. Helped fix the stage, or rather we were supposed to. Jim and I were down at the store most of the time. Violet set my hair at noon. We practiced after dinner. Woodrow, Archie, and Violet came home with us. Francis, Leon, and Daddy were here. We got ready and went back to the school, gave that great play. It's over at last. Woodrow forgot their part. Mildred wasn't there, so he came on to Judsonia. All right, she's happy it's over, the play. Yes, 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 yes. And something else happens really great me, November 18th, 1932. Mm-hmm. That's just a personal love for me. Okay. On this day was born... One of my favorite actors mm-hmm. and a man I had the deepest crush on for the majority of my preteen life. And his name, and don't laugh at me, mm. his name was Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson, the host of Family Feud? 
Yes, but more importantly, Richard Dawson was um, on Hogan's Heroes. Oh, right. That's where I fell yeah. in love with him. Oh, and then right. he was on the match game where he was always the funniest one with his uh-huh. turtleneck and his sports coat, smoking yeah. his cigarettes and yeah, drinking. Yeah. And he, I thought he was so handsome and so funny. And I, when Richard Dawson died, I was yeah. so sad. And sometimes I think one of the reasons I fell in love with my husband so quickly, because yeah. he reminds me of Richard Dawson. Really? He's handsome. He's right, funny as all get out. Yeah, you know he's cocky and like and you know the funniest guy in the room. Yeah, and that's that is he was very cocky that Richard. Yeah, of course Dawson. he was, and so is my my husband is funny and he was always right. a, he is a big personality. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think my love I for Richard Dawson is why I'm married to Rob Duran right now. Richard Dawson. <laughs> I'm telling you, I can watch old, <laughs> that's old so like weird. Match Game 73s now, and he comes on screen, and I'm like, oh, Richard. He's wow, just, I love that's, him. Yeah, he's 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 one of my secret celebrities. Crushes, which is now no longer a secret. But yeah, good old Richard Dawson. <laughs> November 24th, 1932. Thanksgiving. I stayed here at Aunt Ella's, baked a one egg cake this morning all by myself. Frank wrote and said he'd come to see me tonight. So I got ready and waited. Frank didn't come. Dadgummit. And I'll see to it, I'm not writing him for a long time. I guess it was too cold. Or maybe he was sick. Well, anyway. <laughs> I just love how she's making excuses yeah. for him. But that's Frank Stewart. Mm-hmm. We met Frank Stewart a couple episodes ago. I think that's funny. She's like, well, he can still come around. I, but <laughs> December rolls around and the kids get out of school early because the weather has gotten really cold mm-hmm. and there's a lot of illness. So they just cancel school. Oh, sure. Yeah, and that happens a couple of times. Yeah, well, and everyone's just too sick, and they think they're going to take out the whole town. Um, So I just thought I would jump to Christmas and see if their Christmas was better than last year's, because last year's was nuts and candy. Right. And so uh, this their Christmas starts a little early. December 22nd, 1932. Francis and I did the biggest washing this morning. Tonight we ate candy and coconut. I already have all my Christmas presents. A new blouse, shoes, and hose. I hope Francis and I can go to Judsonia next week. Herschel said for me to, and I know I'd have a good time. So that's a little better than last year. Yeah. She got a little outfit, which yeah. is nice. And uh, they had mentioned that they'd done some shopping in December. So I guess that's when she used to get her things, which is what my mother used to do to me. Oh, really? Save up? She, no, for... no. She would take me to the mall one weekend in December. Mm-hmm. And I had like a budget, probably $100. Oh. I, and you'd I don't think buy your own. And I'd buy what anything I could for that's $100. That's pretty cool. I would... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. No, no, it Why? was awful. Because I would give it to mom. Yeah. She'd go home and wrap it and stick it under the tree. Uh- <laughs> Well, yeah, that's so not so So I knew so everything I was getting. Oh, right. I might as well just have gotten it on December 22nd. Well, like her. I agree with you. And there was never any like extra thing. Like she never went out and said, let me go, go mm-hmm. back and get that pair of pants. Mm-hmm. When she was deciding between these three sweaters, Interesting let me go back and get Interesting way to one. do Christmas. Did she do that with your brother too? Uh, no. Oh, no. Oh, are you kidding me? The golden child? Really? The beautiful, she beautiful shop for her. baby, well, baby boy. Besides, my brother, geez. my brother is really, really, really smart. Yeah. Like I want to say his IQ is like one sixty-seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like super smart. Right. And he was always um, at that age. He would have been in college, and mom would have just mom bought all of his clothes anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My brother, my mother mm. bought his clothes until he got married and moved out when he was thirty. <laughs> I dare say he'll never listen to this. Okay. I, and he and he probably would be like, yeah, I mean, it happened. Yeah. He had his clothes picked out for him. Like, this is what you'll wear today <gasps> by my mother no, until he moved out really? and became somebody's husband. Right. I'll tell 30. you right now, my brother never bought a roll of toilet paper. Oh, I would guess in his life. Maybe Well, that now, doesn't make any sense. What does he use? Because he, my mother would do everything. Oh, and he would come home, and there'd be a meal, or maybe he wouldn't come home. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, yeah. Anyway, wow, he lived at home and was taken care of by his mommy. Oh my. until he got married and was taken care of by wow. his wife. And okay. his wife had a hard time with that at first. No doubt. And I was like, well, you should have met my mother. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, but Jonathan is uh-huh. a very successful, very smart, very good man. Yeah, and he's taking good care of me, so I'm not going to give him a hard time. December 23rd, 1932. Had dinner real late. Francis and I made donuts and raisin fudge. Daddy was sick at supper, and we finally discovered he had been drinking. Francis and I just cried out on the store porch. Mother Dean and I talked to Aunt Etta. The others don't know. We tried to talk to the brute, but he didn't know. Daddy drinking. Yeah, that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't seem to happen too often. Right. But when it does, oh, yeah. it's a problem. Right. Yeah, where was he out drinking on December? Maybe he went, but I don't know. Yeah, he anyway. went behind the barn, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or hanging out with a guy. Exactly. He was like, come on in and have a drink yeah, with me, Louie. that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, oh. December 24th, 1932. Francis and I finished getting our clothes ready to go to Pangburn this morning. I went to town with Francis and Norris. We went to the drugstore and danced. I danced with Troy Nell, and he was lit like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. So when I first read that, I thought it meant he was drunk. Right. But but I think she would have said drunk. And then some people in our comments were like, no, lit means you're on fire. That's like right. Yeah. That's what I think. So that's better. I don't think she would have danced with a drunkie. Uh, yes, Not exactly. the way she feels about it. Right. So this year, Christmas is on a Sunday. So all they do is go to church. Uh-huh. And she's going back and forth between uh-huh. Reva's house and the tent, because uh-huh. I think it's getting cold. December 30th, 1932. Played dominoes with Doyne and sat around all day. We wanted to go home, but it rained and the roads were impassable. It's darling little Francis's 19th birthday. Won't be long till 1933. Wish we could get away home. I want to go back to school. 
New Year's resolution for 1933, to be a better, loving, and more helpful girl so everyone will think a lot of me. I'm going to try to control my temper and not get mad. <laughs> Girlfriend, never get mad. I know. That's so funny. Much. No, she really doesn't. Yeah. And this control is a, my temper. Yes. And this is another reason why I think she didn't care if anyone read these diaries because uh-huh. she's not losing her temper. Yeah, she's, she's not, not getting mad. And she's not writing off the mean handle. things about right. people. Right. She's really respectful. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. But yeah, her, that that's not the first time her New Year's resolution has been to be a better, nicer person. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Which is so I'm like, yeah. I, I don't well, see that's that a being good a problem. It is. Blanket statement. I don't see it being a problem. Exactly. Um, I think that's funny. Yeah. So it's the end of 1932. It's a perfect place to end episode 11. Yes, it sure is. Next week, we'll be back with a whole new year and hopefully some good news Mm -hmm. for the Hartzell family. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be that good. Yeah, not yet. But that's okay. Big things will happen. Lots of love. Lots of love in 1933 for Elizabeth, too. Mm -hmm. So we'll we'll see you next year. Not really. We'll see you next Tuesday. Yes. In the meantime, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon. At the $10 level, we have bonus episodes and we have relatives coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. So we're getting lots of really cool insight into who Elizabeth, they call her Aunt Betty, what their Aunt Betty was like when she was growing up and how loving and caring she was, what her favorite desserts were. It's so cool. So join us at the Patreon. And until then, we'll see you next Tuesday. See ya. See ya.